Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us on Tech Talk. For myself, Robert Parsons, and my co-host, Corey Church, thanks for joining us. And um, today we have Mr. John Chandler with Mersive joining us. Good morning. Um, so, John, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, how you came in the industry, and how you got to Mersive. Oh, um, it's a roundabout whirlwind renaissance tour. Um, I'm originally from Atlanta, and I live in Dallas. I've been here for 13 years and love it. Um, I used to work on the integration side of the, of the industry. Okay. So I worked for an integrator. We did install and all that other stuff. But I've now joined uh, manufacturer side and could not be happier. Um, it's a little bit different. I don't have to challenge you guys have anymore is how many resources, <laughs> install times, and all the other stuff. I just hand you the product, and you guys make the magic happen. How long have you been in the manufacturing side? Uh, with Mercive, about a year and a half. And you came straight from integration into, into Mercive? Yep. And I had done manufacturer stuff. Before that, I used to own bars and nightclubs, owned a coffee business, I've owned a computer company, um, I've owned a lot of different things, and what I realized when you own something or when you do that, you become okay at a lot of different things, you lose what you're really good at. What I realized I'm really good at, which is working with people and customers and trying to solve problems, and what I love about Mersive is they give me the ability to do that, Yeah. and the product, I think, solves problems. But so, right. Very nice, very nice. That's a so you got a pretty eclectic background there. So hold on, I, I heard you say coffee shop. Yeah, that that's was about what I wanted the, to get into. That was about the uh, farthest departure of anything that you had mentioned in that short list you gave us. Look so, at his face. Yeah, you I, didn't you didn't think I was going to ask you about a is coffee that a painful shop. time, John? Well, no, it's it's actually was it was it was a lot of fun. So I owned a, in Atlanta. There's a mall called Linux Square, which okay. is a lot like yeah, the yeah. gallery here. Um, and I owned a coffee business in there for seven years. Um, it was a kiosk in the middle of the mall. And it's kind of like being a coffee bartender. Um, it's a lot of fun. You meet a lot of interesting people. Um, so you were selling prepared coffee, not no, I was, pre-prepared. I was a barista. I'm a barista. I had a, the whole thing. Nice. Pre-Starbucks pre here. <laughs> Once a barista, always a barista? Well, let me tell you this. When you make coffee for seven years, you rarely drink it ever again. I don't drink coffee anymore. I don't. Really? Smell of it. Um, if you worked in a donut factory for seven years, you would probably start eating croissants. Yeah. Well, hold on. I, I, I can, I, I can attest to this because I worked at Red Lobster as a teenager for, uh, three years. Them biscuits though. And everybody, wow. every time I mention Red Lobster, they're like, oh, I bet you ate those cheddar biscuits every day, <laughs> man. And, uh, no. When's no. the last time you had shrimp scampi? Let's see. I'm 38. I quit when I was 18. About that amount of That's time. That's where yeah. I was going. So it's the same thing with coffee. Coffee is very pungent. Your whole, it's like if you work it's in, in your a body. restaurant, like the smoke permeates yeah. everything. Yeah. Coffee permeates everything. So. Well, I, I, I barbecue on occasion, and it's like a you know a 24-hour process. And by the time it's all said and done and you're cutting it up, I really don't want to eat it. Yeah. I'm not even hungry. And I've had your barbecue, and I rarely see you eat your own barbecue. That's <laughs> so terrible because it's pretty decent. Well, also is your... John, I had a whole process. mess of coffee this morning. I can tell. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Don't worry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold I'm my from, bathroom break until it's over. But since I'm a Georgia boy, we, and so when coffee went out of the picture, you just automatically go to Diet Coke. And that's the whole Southern thing. We, you know, okay. Coffee, so it's when we, we replaced that with carbonated caffeine, which is, of course, a Georgia product, Diet Coke. Not to plug them, but go Coke. <laughs> go, go Coke. Why, why well, We love Diet Pepsi, Coke. too, by not, the way. Why not full strength? Or were you a decaf guy when you drank coffee? No. I, I, no. So regular coffee. And here's another 
trivia bit for you guys because I love the thing you guys do on here. Is that people think cappuccino is full of caffeine? It has half as much caffeine as an eight ounce cup of coffee. But it's a, just a smaller amount, right? So it's a two and a half ounce pull of espresso, right? So if you have a two and a half two and a half ounce espresso or an eight ounce cup of coffee, the espresso has half as much caffeine. So if you get a regular cappuccino from Starbucks or from any of your other favorite coffee stores, it's half as much caffeine. The flavor, well, it's like it's like alcohol by volume, right? I mean, basically. Well, people, it's the same bean. So people think that the darker and bitter the flavor, the stronger. The same thing with alcohol. They think if I drink a eighty proof tequila versus an eighty proof vodka that the tequila is stronger because of the, the, the drawback on coffee. It, it's, it's a different thing. So that you just burn the bean darker. It's the same bean, same everything. It's just burned to a darker roast. That's which what makes it, it bitter, which gives it the bitter flavor. That's pretty interesting. What well, makes complete sense? Cause if you burn an onion or garlic or any of that, it, it gets a bitter flavor. Every time we do this show, I learn something new. This is amazing. We should just stop and just do this part. And then know, it wouldn't be tech talk. <laughs> I was well, we gonna... could get really technical on the coffee stuff if we want, but we can leave that. Corey me. also doesn't drink coffee, so I guess I I'm the only never, one never here. Have. What's in the cup? Water. Oh, all right. Well, no, it's Friday. It's vodka. <laughs> it's Friday morning. I have four shots of espresso in my coffee. So that's two cups of coffee? Yeah. Really? Yeah. It. Wait. That's all I need. But here's the set. Espresso thing. in the coffee? I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. I usually, like, I'm not going to plug the coffee shop I go to, but the drink that I McDonald's. get. It's so expensive. We call that a depth charge, by the way. You drop in two espressos or four espressos and put coffee on top of it. Yeah. But the funny thing about that... I feel that great is, right now. But I could probably give you a decaf one of those, and you would still feel as high. You know, I tend to agree with you. I uh, used to do that to people. would be like, oh my God, I'm so hungover, I'm so tired. they like, here, try this. They'd come back and be like, oh my Just God, full so placebo great. action. And they'd be like, <laughs> and be like, that was decaf. You wouldn't tell them, because they'd want their money back, but... It's a psychosomatic reaction. I did the same thing when I was a bartender. So, yeah, Make so. my drink real stiff. I'll just take everything out of the bar mat and pour it into yeah. the glass. Three oh, oh. Uh, we only did that once or twice. So, yeah. Just I was never, I didn't like. I was never a bartender. I, I don't. I never experienced that. I was never a short order cook or any. I was always the guy like in the back on the other side of the wall. Nobody ever saw. So I was the. Hence D- the reason you're so good at barbecue. I guess. I don't know about <laughs> so that. So I was the DJ in my bars and the bartender. That's skill. That's a whole skill set. Well, not at the same time, but yes. So did they put the DJ booth like in the bar back? No, I put it across the bar. So I opened a bar the first night I ever, when, when I had the ribbon cutting ceremony, it was me and my roommate. We opened the bar. I had never bartended in my life. Um, and it was a complete, let's just figure this whole thing out. So another learning experience by deep end experience. Jump in and go and see what happens. Well, educated people don't make those kind of risky decisions. And I, I don't mean to say you're uneducated, but you're, you educated you're uneducated about hey, kindergarten, bartending. Kindergarten counts as an education, doesn't it? It does, Okay, good. technically. I can still finger paint with the best of them. Listen, if I knew what I was getting into with doing a podcast and vodcast uh, before we started this, I probably would have decided not to. Vodcast sounds a lot like vodcast. Well, that's what he wants me to call yeah, it. Yeah, so because like, this is not a podcast because we're on camera, so this is a vodcast. Yes, yeah. And if they if they weren't watching on video, they wouldn't get the opportunity to see a clip of you being famous. Oh, Lord, yes. You knew it was going to go time. there. I mean, well, it's we funny. literally <laughs> talked about it. <laughs> so right I met John... Uh, right when he first started with Mersive. Yep. And because you were with a competitor before. Well, I wouldn't call it a competitor. I'd call it a, a, an outlier. Like, we were trying to compete with you guys. 
That's oh man, that's look at you. Generous. Well, I, Holy that's cow. a good salesman right there. No, I just I think you guys are a force. You guys, I mean the people and the, everything else. It's because we're a very great organization. Gave me a little yeah. little chill. I'm oh, blushing. Look. You just can't tell. Well, I think the before we get into lasagna stuff, I think the the perspective that has changed for me coming out of the integration side, going back to the manufacturer side, is the unwinding of what you know and don't know about the integration business. So you have a perception about every one of your competitors that's you get from the rumor mill or through third party or Chinese whispers. You don't really know because yeah. you, don't, you don't go, we don't go have dinner or have lunch and talk about I'm not going to lie. We're, we're guilty of that too. We hear things or we no, go I behind think, other I people. I think everybody is. And I, I right, think so that's you kinda... walk, but a lot of it's down to you, you walk into a project and the last technician you touch it, that's it's kind of that tar baby scenario. You can't ever get away from it. But you learn a lot when you come out and you go meet and see other projects and you meet with the salespeople or the project managers. So um, you guys are a pretty amazing organization. And I'm not just saying that, by the way, because I'm sitting here. Uh, that's why I love your hat. That's why all those things. I think you guys do a really good job. So Thank you very appreciate much. Appreciate that. Enough there. Thank you very much. I appreciate you saying that. The envelope's in your bag, <laughs> by the way. How big's the envelope? Unmarked. It, okay. it barely fit. I'll take 50 cents and a lifesaver. I'm good. <laughs> I've got change in my desk. <laughs> good. So the first time I met John, he came in, um, wanted to introduce himself as the new rep for Mersive. And his opening conversation was oh, Lord. Uh, something you may not know about me. I um, have America's number one voted lasagna. Or excuse me, the world's number one voted lasagna. Well, we'll refine it even deeper. I have the most popular recipe in the English language. <laughs> that's it. That's yeah. That's actually more <laughs> robust. According than the to way the I Washington Post, it. so like that was the whole thing. What year is this? Uh, continuous. So continuous. It, so it was discovered by the Washington Post in 2013, um, and since then, I, no one's been, even Emma Lagasse, Gordon Ramsay, all those guys. My recipe. I've never made lasagna from scratch in my entire life, but. Even in the short few seconds we've been talking about it, I'm motivated to make it. So yeah. I'll give you the recipe, but if you don't like it, you just can't tell anybody. <laughs> so I, where am I going to go vote? So we're just going to broadcast it right here. No, no, no. The funny thing is, I was waiting for you to ask me to bring one of these things, because that's usually <laughs> the thing I get like, well, since can you just bring us a lasagna? No, I want to make it on my own. If it's, if it's a recipe... Then it, it's got to be it's got to be clear and concise enough that somebody dumb like me can go make it. And it turned out amazing, as you're as you're stating. You can obviously make your own recipe amazing. Yeah, the fun thing is, is that you go read the reviews, and that's the fun part because people write stuff like, "Well, I substituted this," or "I yeah. made it for my Sicilian grandmother, and she thought it was better than what she'd have in the home country." So, it's been a crazy lasagna. It's one of those things like you never would have thought in a million years. Like I posted on the internet in 2013, 2003 is a joke on a website on allrecipes.com, and I didn't enter a contest. It wasn't like a cooking contest. It's just a place to share recipes. And I went back like two years later. On the front page, it had my recipes, the number one recipe. And I was like, what? And I didn't understand it. So it's one of those things like it, it kind of goes past. And it's one of those things like people go like, you know, when you go to a meeting, like tell us something you don't know about anybody, kind of how I introduce myself to you guys so brazenly. Um, <laughs> you know, like, It sticks I'll, with I'll, people. Yeah. It, it makes it it makes you human instead of a, a regular sales guy. Well, if you if you've listened to any of our other podcasts, we've had a uh, gold uh, a, a gold gold rec record yeah. holder. Yep. multiple gold records. Multiple gold record holders. We've got a uh, 
An uh, Olympian. An, an Olympian triathlete. Who We've had Michael Hooper. Hold on. You know who? No, oh, I know Hooper. Him so, and Clayton were in here the other day. So, like, so Hooper. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to butt in, but no, Hooper. Um, he's apparently, an Olympic triathlete. Is, yeah, he's he's he made the Olympic triathlete team. Yeah. What? Yeah. Is it the over thirty team or just like? No. <laughs> sorry, Hooper. <laughs> I almost lost my he, headphones there. He's only and he's only been doing it. What do you say? A, a couple of years. Yeah, he well, got who, into it. I guess three years ago is what he said. Hooper's a great guy. He's he's got that yeah. mindset. Like when he and, wants to do something, he's going to do it. And, and not not to plug Hooper too much, but he was like, yeah, my wife and I went to do a a half marathon, like couch two k or something like that. And he was like, we got lost on the course and ended up doing the whole five k first time ever. I was like, only you would get lost. That running. sounds like Michael. Yeah, and I love Michael. So that's yeah. Just, and then here there he's was like, he's on the Olympic team. So like for 2020 Olympics, like <laughs> hold on, I have to like I have to like hold on, like he's like I can't me, believe this. Let me frame this correctly. So he's I think, on the 2020. I think Olympic what we would probably Olympics. have to do is we don't want to misspeak or anything, but can we call Michael? US, <laughs> We're gonna have to add the some initials USA and Olympian are true. Well, you know what? In what in what respects? Or how, what team? No matter or what like way that. it is, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. So, so now we've had that a, a gold record artist, multiple gold records, right? U.S. Olympian, world's best lasagna. Yep. We've had somebody else I'm missing, and I apologize if you watch it. I, I there was some somebody else. It was a did some production for some some big something. I can't. Anyway. I think that was Clayton. Was it? The, yeah, maybe it was. See, what, see where all us AV guys come from. We're all famous, but you just don't know about us. <laughs> All well, right, we so were famous ten years. So we're going to show. Right, what did you guys do? Okay. I had an AV. I, we're so nothing. I was probably, um, yeah. I think you could probably look it up online. I was probably Louisville's greatest bartender in two thousand three. What bar? <laughs> Chili's. All right. Hold oh, on. Man. Hold on. No, 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 no. No, you, you were your high school's. Oh, here we go. Mascot. See, and what let's was change oh, the spotlight here? Is this? Oh, what was the mascot? Help me remember. I was the Warham. The Warham. Yeah. So were you dressed oh, as? Is that a ham with like a ham? Axe? We're not going to stay on the subject. I'll get through it. I wore a loincloth, a chest plate, and a Indian headdress. So and he, he my was famous in his own right. My responsibility was to run out in front of the football team before the game, run no. down the field as fast as I could, and throw a tomahawk through the uprights. And I missed it sixty percent of the time. Let me get this image correct. Loincloth. We're not going to show a picture. So and an axe. That, that's it. That's it. Did you, yeah. Did you have lace up moccasins or like? You know, I, I don't mind telling people because I had a bunch of girlfriends. <laughs> um. Well, when you pad the loincloth, of course. Okay. Well, we got a we got a PG. Somebody pull the ripcord, please. <laughs> Let's come out of this this no stuff. But that isn't so, the funny thing is you just. It, once you dig into people's you know past and what they where they came from, it is very enlightening to see where they I, came from. Yeah, I do. Where they came from. Because that's fun stuff. Oh, I agree. I agree. And we could spend most of the show just going through those with, with some of the guests we have on. It's pretty have amazing. Have we lost any viewers yet? Yeah. <laughs> Good thing so, this is at post-edit. There are no viewers yet. So John comes in. He, he tells us he's got the world's best lasagna recipe. And we're sitting around... With a bunch of our teammates, you know, design guys and sales guys, and we immediately go to to, to see this, and it's the first hit on YouTube. We're gonna show, um, you know, a screenshot for you so you can go there. We probably won't play the whole video because you'll probably see it. It's a little under six I, minutes look how long. How young I look? Yeah, I think you look great. That was a nerve wracking experience, by the way. 
Yeah. Look at him. He, and if you're if you're looking at the image, he's wafting the smell of his own lasagna into his face as to <laughs> convince George, the audience. And look at all of the people behind him. Like when George Stephanopoulos, George Stephanopoulos throws you the mic, you're a little nervous. Yeah. Let's go to John Chandler in Times Square. You're like, oh crap. <laughs> You've got this massive boom mic ab- above you, and you're like, there, here it is. Here well, it it's is. It's my wife's birthday. Yeah, there's, only, there's only 15 million people watching. It's live. Don't mess up. Did you mess up? Uh, No. But a funny story is before, so that's outside in Times Square pre, right? So then we go into the studio, and they give me a cart. It's got four or six lasagnas on it. They go, oh, by the way, John. The right front wheel's broken on this. We're gonna, you're going to push through the door and go left. But if it starts to fall, just hold on really tight. And I'm like, holy cow. What? <laughs> like, I'm going to go through this door. And the, I it's Good Morning say, America, yes, so it, we don't have much of a budget. Yeah, but it'll be like uh, America's Funniest Home Videos on live TV as the cart goes tumbling and lasagna falls You've out. You've been famous it. twice. That's a good producer. A producer sitting there thinking to him or herself, oh, you know, this could make for great television either way. See, here at Taurus, we wouldn't have warned you. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean. Remember all those, things like, were, <laughs> all those, those nice, nice things I said about you guys? <laughs> you, would, you would have set me off, sent me into pure treachery. Thanks, guys. So, when you went to, to New York to do this, and just to rewind a little bit, I think I heard you say 2003 is when you entered your recipe in. On the, I just put it on a website in 2003. So, yeah, technically, so, that's the start of it. Yep. This is recorded in October of 2013. We're in 2019 now. So for 16 years, you've held this record. Well, I don't know where it, where it started. When so the genesis of the buzz was in 2013. I got a I got an email at work um, that said, "Hey, Mr. Chandler, we'd like to talk about your recipe, Caitlin Dewey, Washington Post." And I was like, first of all, how'd they have my work address?" You thought it was spam. I you almost that, I, I you thought, almost junk folded. So it. so then I was like, "I bet she wants five hundred dollars, and she'll put me in the who's who's list of cooks." And I was like, so then I googled her. Our Google. She worked at Reuters. She had worked in Syria. She was the what's the Washington Post. She had done all this stuff. So I was like, she seems legit. And now she's interviewing people about lasagna. Right. So then I looked at my LinkedIn profile, and like 13 people in the Washington Post had hit my profile. So I was like, okay, now I know how they found me. And she was doing an article on the death of the cookbook. Like, why do you need to go to Barnes and Noble or order on Amazon a cookbook when you can just go to the internet and adjust the recipe quantity, read reviews, yeah. print out a list. All that stuff, and as she got into it um, and started doing the data about, you know, the popularity of online recipes, she changed the tenor of the article to "Southern Boy from Georgia is more popular than Gordon Ramsay and Emeril Lagasse, and you've never heard of him, but you probably have eaten his pasta." So as soon as that, that is an amazing tagline. Yeah. So as soon as it came out, it is that was the that was the tagline in Australia. So it went global because the Washington Post is syndicated. So. I've been on German TV, Finnish television, I've, all these places because they picked up the article. And I think it had an interesting human yeah. interest angle where it's just a regular, I'm not a chef and I'm not trained and I'm just, I'd rather do what you do, hang out by the barbecue grill and have a beer. Yeah. Um, I'm not a saucier, I'm not none of that stuff. And organically it became the most popular recipe in the English language. I'm excited to make it. I, I'm legitimately, my, my, my wife's about to have a baby. You're going to have some downtime. I'm going to have a little, uh, you know, I'm going to have some downtime. I'm going to go to the grocery store, and I'm going to get everything on the list. I'm going to make it exactly the way your recipe states. And I'm going to leave a comment on the video. And As you should. With some pictures. There's 11,000 reviews. 
<laughs> Do you still go in and check it? I used to. It's been a while since I've done it. I mean, we're so busy. <laughs> you probably but, don't but, have the time. But it was just one of those things like you read it, and we were talking earlier, kind of off camera, about how like you'll read that I made this for my Sicilian grandmother, and it made her cry. And you're like, like really? Like that's awesome. And you're just like, it, but it's it's one of those things like you just I would have never thought in a million years that I would be the king of a spaghetti pasta. Like it's just I, one of those things. Like, I know we've spent a lot of time on this, but I I, I think we should keep going. I have a, I have another question though. Because you, 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 you made this comment earlier. Have you watched any of the YouTube videos where the Italian grandmas eat American Italian food on camera? And they're like, well, what is? And, and they're like spitting the food back out into the it's bowl. It's interesting and, that you say that. Um, and, 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 and I'm watching and I'm like, there's like, I've had a lot of reasonably disgusting food and I, I've never reacted. Red lobster? I in my thirties. <laughs> I can't have chicken crispers I, like the way you feel about those biscuits. Yeah, is the I way it. I feel about chicken crispers. So it's funny how you mention the Italians. Um, how do they feel about me? Disdain. There are these great videos of Italian. They're actually radio shows. What they do this? They, you know, like what they do for the radio, the sports radio channels, where they're like John Chandler. Like they hate me because they. <laughs> They see me as kind of this abomination that a boy from Southern, you know, North America has basically outflanked them on their, one of their signature dishes. So they're not really happy with me. So I don't, I think I can still visit the country without any, I think they'd give me a visa I could at least enter. But I think, um. It'd be a ruse though. They're just not, to get you there and like lock you up. They're not happy. The fact that I. Do you have some type of patent? On on the recipe, I do. Okay, so I, I would imagine you'd you'd want can, some type can you of protection. A recipe? So I, it's copyrighted. So this okay. is another crazy story. Got it. Okay. So I applied for the. So it was, the plan eventually was to get it into grocery stores because there's only two really frozen lasagnas. There's uh, Stouffer's and then there's Mama Mia's, I think. Or... Yeah, we buy we buy Stouffer's. So. I, when I said you buy frozen lasagnas, did you not hear me earlier? I've never made a lasagna. I love Stouffer's meat oh. lasagna. That's what I we get. We get the meat lovers lasagna. It's like a 45, 55 minute cook in the oven. Cut it's, that thing up. For me, it's a damn good. Lasagna. I feel like that if my mom was sitting right here with us right now, she would challenge you to a lasagna. I, you know what? I get it all the time too. <laughs> I get customers like, "We'll meet with you if you bring the lasagna." Today is my birthday. It is, and had I, I, I should have brought you. that up. I'm a terrible. You know what? I would have. Had I prepared, well, I would have said you need to bring a lasagna. We'll we would show have, it we on camera. Put, we put a, candles in it because it is a pasta cake. Oh, yeah, God. absolutely. All right, I owe you one. So there's a rain check in there. Okay, all right, all right. and so, we'll we'll have you back on just to we'll do a, a quick follow up five minute. Like, yeah, a taste right. test, a blind we'll do taste like test, a, like a, a, a half birthday. We'll have we'll have Corey's. We'll call it the paternity lasagna because he's going to be practicing. <laughs> I'm absolutely going to make it. I promise. And then we'll have the the immersive tourist challenge. You're on. You know what? But by the way, if I lose, you're representing you an entire company. <laughs> just so, you know. so that's absolutely what we're going to do. Yeah. All right. I'm in. Okay. And, and you heard it, it here. It, I'm accepting the challenge. It will be the same recipe, verbatim, outside of specific manufactured foods, if that exists. In, in your recipe, because I've never seen it. This oh, is... I'm sponsored by Hunt's. By I'm sponsored by. I don't see that. John, I don't, Johnsonville. I don't see Go that. Johnsonville. Patch on your on your shirt there. I'm not wearing my. <laughs> Did you just make thirteen cents? <laughs> uh, so so is it okay if I use um, 
The, Use whatever you want. The Actually, wild, the the wild is, pigs that the fun, I... The funny thing is, is, if we make the recipe exactly the same, it will taste the same. That's the well, beauty that of a recipe, right? to be seen. Well, but the challenge would be that I'm going to make it exactly the way your recipe states, per quantity. Yep. And then it's going to be a, a blind taste test, and people have to vote yeah. which lasagna is better. Um, we'll, we'll get you know our what? ownership will, to come in and, and, and do that. I'll be proud if you beat me, because that means that the recipe is easy to make. I hope it's easy to make. Otherwise, Did I'm going like to. He's already downplaying it right Did now. Did you like how I spun that real fast? <laughs> but, the, but the copyright thing. So I'll just. Uh, jo John's like, I win either way. Yes, you I don't do. understand. But the copyright thing. So I submitted a cop, not to bring it back to that, but I submitted a copyright to, to do World's Best Lasagna. And the copyright office immediately wrote me back and said, you can't do that because it's too vague. It's like saying World's Best Integrator, World's Best Microphone, World's Best Bobblehead. It's subjective. They said, okay, we'll submit a secondary application, World's Best Lasagna by John Chandler, because that narrows down the specificity, and we'll let that pass through. Eight months later, I get a call from the examining attorney, and he says, send us your backup documentation um, to, to, for your claims. I send all the stuff in. They send me back the approval for now I have the copyright for World's Best Lasagna. They dropped the John Chandler, and I was able to prove that it was the world's best lasagna, so they gave me the copyright, and no one could believe it. Like, wow. none of those people, like Walmart and all these guys were like, there's no way. It's like, world's best cup of coffee from Elf. Like, congratulations, you're the world's best. <laughs> like, and they just said, like, I actually, I, I won that. Or I, I was awarded the copyright for I'm that. I'm sitting here thinking about the stress of, I mean, I you have kids, right? Yes. So you, you got the stress of Shout a full-time job, you got kids, and then you got this extra massive stress ball of the world's best lasagna recipe i can't imagine being you know job kids and the world's most popular mascot of all time it's really it it doesn't a, it doesn't sound stressful when you say it out loud well, i rarely cook anymore but it's it, it's you probably don't have time every time i com communicate with john it's uh like if it's an email it's an it's automatic response I, i'm visiting with customers at the time and that's for the next two days. And it's always the automatic response. I feel so bad. You must be answering emails at nine a.m. or nine p.m. at night. Well, what time did I write you back? Like, I feel like it's always in the in the later p.m. or early a.m. hours. It's good to be popular, I guess. <laughs> but the lasagna thing is, it goes to the background. It comes out on moments like these, or people, my salespeople in my past life used to love to tell the story. We'd be sitting at a lunch table, and they'd be like, "Oh, sure. guess what." And then I would be roped into like, can you bring us a lasagna for our team? And I'd be like, no. Yes. How big's the purchase order going to be? Like, there you go. Would, well, okay. All right. I'll <laughs> trade you a PO for a lasagna. That, that, that's a fair swap. We're going to order you know one immersive salsa spot today. Yep. No, no. We're ordering <laughs> two, actually. Oh, nice. yeah. um, Speaking but, of that, we've spent 26 minutes like. Yeah, we should have dedicated a segment to no, this. Yeah, we, we need to live <laughs> oh, up like to the, the mug. mug. I like you want a mug? mug? It I, is tech talk. I don't drink coffee, so but thank you for the well, offer. No, I'm just drinking water. No, I, I, but I just keep those for people who drink the, the, the brown stuff. <laughs> I, so, I, do, I do like the logo. So before we go away from it, please check out the YouTube video. It's a very easy search to find. You'll see a little screenshot. We particularly chose the, the wafting of the smell of lasagna because John... Uh, Thought that that would be the greatest raised eyebrow. And I don't think I had a vote in this discovery. I think I heard you say, "I know exactly what picture I'm going to use." So oh, this is so great. So we'll shift away from that. I don't know. My face is hurting from smiling so yeah, much. Yeah, like um, I keep having to wipe the tears out of the corner of my eyes. I'm still thinking about Hooper as a triathlete. So that's where I'm at. I'm like, You're oh, stuck. Olympian. We got to say oh, yeah, Olympian right. Hooper. Yes. No pressure, um, Hooper. We want a medal. 
So, John, you, you'd mentioned gold, earlier gold, the gold medal. The beginning Just of our be clear. conversation, you went from from being an integrator, which has a you know, as we all know, it it comes with its challenges and its perks. And as an integrator, you're thinking outside the box for customers, and you're putting together solutions that involve many different manufacturers. You went from doing that to to a manufacturer that is quickly, very rapidly, in our eyes, become one of the most dominant manufacturers for wireless presentation abilities. So why why would you want to make that switch from an integrator to a manufacturer? I'm just curious. Well, hey, hang on before, because I have a I have a question that lends off of that question. Ready, fire, aim. All right. What, in addition to, what made you, or what job were you doing as an integrator that made you qualified to do what you're doing for the manufacturer. Because I often wonder what the folks that leave integration and go into manufacturing, what they were doing before. And the reason I ask this is uh, there's a, an old adage that is, if you, you can't do, you teach. Yep. So I used to be the regional sales director, so I had 11 salespeople. All right. But every day I would go out and sell with them and mm-hmm. listen to what customers would say. So I had the opportunity to go on, many meetings, you know, so I would go on three to four meetings a day and hear the struggles and the the struggles we were having supplying or the if the solution failed or et cetera. Um, and the best thing about making the change to the manufacturer side, especially where I am now, is it works. And we don't sell hand grenades where you, you install it, you pull the pen, and you go, is it going to pull up in 30 days? Is it going to pull up in 45 days? And when am I going to get the call? Um, and the other thing is we make one thing. So we don't have a catalog of a thousand part numbers or a thousand devices. We make one thing and we invest a lot of time and resources to make sure that it outflanks everybody in the marketplace, but also delivers exactly what the customers need because that's ultimately why we grew so fast is because the customers, it wasn't they believed in the brand or they knew the logo because we're the kind of little engine that could. Nobody knows our name really well but it just works. So when they walk in a room, they can connect, disconnect, and do their thing. I think this is very important because a lot of the larger manufacturers who have been in the AV game since the 70s or earlier, they have grown their portfolio and grown their portfolio and absorbed other companies and tried to be this kind of uh, full turnkey. And there's always something in their product line that ends up being a total flop. And the problem is you don't know it's a flop. You buy it because you trust the manufacturer. And then you're, you're left kind of, as you said earlier, holding this grenade. And as an integrator, as I'm sure you experienced, uh, what do you do with this grenade? Well, first, do you beat up on the manufacturer as a, as a, as a, as a company like Taurus is? Do you... Firmware updates, firmware updates. Well, but for how many months? No, I know. So I, I, I lived it. I appreciate the fact that that you guys are willing to focus on a single subset of product to do it as best as you possibly can. That that from my perspective helping lead the engineering team uh, makes a makes our decision making processes easier. Oh yeah. And we listen. So, you know, a couple of things I think are important for what we do. Like you said, one thing we try to massage it and make it the best thing we can. We also listen to our customers. Um, if they have specific needs or wants, we will design product. You know, like on our product, you know, you can see the calendar of the room, right? When you walk in, it we pull the calendar down. It's on the on the front of the display. But we weren't smart enough to think of that. The customer asked us for it. 
and we're like that makes sense so we're constantly evolving um because if we don't we'll, we'll pass this by but i think you as an integrator you are a chef you're taking all those ingredients together so hdmi extenders and mounts and displays and all the stuff and trying to provide a, a perfect cake or a perfect solution for them you're only as good as your weakest link yeah in that in that you know it could be even a bad termination on a cable can be make things go bad we don't want to be that thing that's bad we have challenges sometimes depending on how the integration goes or how the customer's workflow is going to be but the best thing is we see it behind yeah so i mean i think you know if i have a problem i can call denver and we have a smoke jumper team and they'll fix it and we'll move on i mean that's the best thing about it it's all software people think of it because it is a box um but since it's we're delivering it's the box is really just software delivery we can constantly update that without having to resolder boards or another, do another production run or do the the loved rip and replace. We don't have to do that. Well, if you know much about Tesla as an auto manufacturer, that was kind of their whole uh, motto. Because if you know anything about cars, other manufacturers have all these little box and parts and pieces, and the software is embedded into the hardware, and they're perfectly timed together. And if you need to make an update, you've got to change the hardware out because the software is embedded. Somebody's getting a wrench out and somebody's getting their hands dirty. Exactly. Whereas Tesla was like, why? I'm just going to build a giant computer that has enough power to process anything I want to do and anything I might want to do in the future. And should we overcome that? Fine, we'll make a new model, but it'll be five or six, eight years. We'll be running on the same same hardware platform and we'll just push updates over the air. They're the only auto manufacturer who pushes significant um updates over the air not, they just not created, minor they updates. just created a thing called pet mode yeah exactly i mean so you leave yeah. the i mean so like that's the brilliance of what they're doing and i think and you guys are kind of following i don't want to say following the same suit but the same model and i think focusing on the software and less on the hardware for all of these manufacturers that are out there is going to be extremely important going forward right so i think you know i love my job and i think I love the company and I love the people I work for because they give us those tools and they're passionate about it. But once again, I think it comes back to listening. I mean, if you've got a customer that has a struggle or a problem, we're going to immediately jump and go fix it. Um, in, the, in my past life, sometimes getting other manufacturers to do it, and I don't care, it doesn't matter if they made a mount or they made whatever, getting them to, because they, they were busy with all these other things, we, we've got to continually refine our product. and. Um, well, just before we started this podcast, you were out here in our hallway talking to our uh, support services director about an issue with one, and you're like, huh, well, we'll look at that. I mean, all right, so email me, we'll fix it. I think it's a needed issue. Yeah. But I also need to make sure it's not something else other than that. Right. So we're going to get involved. Even, you know, I think it's one room, but that one room, I don't know how many people are going to go in that room. I don't know how many future customers of mine might go in that room. I don't know. Well, the difference, though, was you didn't say, our tech support number is this. Give them a call and they'll help you. Well, I immediately, which, which I immediately is... said, don't call my tech support number. <laughs> you didn't hear that, Rick. Um, <laughs> but call me or Phil or email us, actually. Sorry, Robert. You know it is. Um, email me and we will figure it out because I don't want your customer to have a bad experience. Because if they have a bad experience, that is a black eye for you guys. Because you guys probably recommended it. You baked that cake. You said, here are the best ingredients. We're going to make this thing for you guys and you're going to love it. And if, if that, that falls down or doesn't deliver what they want, well, then you're, you're going to be less likely to build us into your build materials or support our product because who wants to go sell hand grenades if all you're going to do is get shrap metal every day 
what's your, we don't want people calling your support number, right? But we want you, if there is a problem, we're going to fix it. We're going to send somebody out there. We're going to get a replacement pod. We're going to do whatever you need because if I don't support you, guess what happens? Well, we're going to we stop sl- selling your right. product. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, like we grew 806% last year. Holy cow. How, so how do you manage that growth from a, I, 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 I don't even, it's I mean, like a we waterfall. grow. We grow. We grew what last year, Robert? Twenty percent, like yeah, twenty-two percent last year, which is amazing in this industry, right? I mean, to, for that, from an integrator perspective, that customer that's, acquisition title—that's a big number. So for somebody, I don't. It's hard to quantify eight hundred percent. We're the hundred and thirty-ninth fastest growing company in the United States. So I can't imagine what it's like to be that's, number one. That's gonna make you pretty proud. And, and it's you're, you're not talking about. I made a hundred dollars last year. And this year I made eight hundred dollars. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a much larger scale. I mean, it's not like I started a lawn mowing business last year and now I've got eight lawns instead of one. I mean, we're, it's we're, pretty we're exponential. Talk- but I think the, the the reason is is kind of the, the tenets of what we're talking about is that the customer experience um, is you know our CTO has a vision which I didn't think I understood when he first explained it to me because his whole thing was I don't want anybody to know who we are in the conference room. And I was like, that's not really a good marketing strategy because if nobody knows who we are, then how the heck are we going to sell anything? But his whole model was, I want people to go in the room, connect and disconnect and not talk about technology at all. If they don't have to talk about the adapter or it's the cable or all the other things that come along, then the technology has already interfered with the meeting. If they just come in and connect and disconnect, that's what's going to happen. I met him years ago. Um, in when MRSA was really in its infancy and paired so two with... years ago? <laughs> no, no, it was, it was probably four years ago or so. Yep. Um, it was paired with a, you know, a solution with projection and, a, and kind of a canvas feel to it. It was, uh, I don't want to say proprietary, but it was bundled yep. with things. And, and I since that, that time, yeah. So we went over and we were looking at it with some customers, but, um, it's interesting to see a company that is in its infancy to be where you are now, which kind of, and you, you mentioned it just a second ago, in your own words or your opinion, how do you, why do you think that companies like, like Mersive and other wireless sharing products out there are becoming so popular? Well, I think there are a couple of reasons. I think simplicity. So if I don't have to have a bunch of stuff at the table, so like, I think this is across the industry, so I'll broaden the spectrum, is huddle rooms and six-person conference rooms, that complexity is coming down. I, you know, we, we're seeing, the old days you'd have a couple of different inputs on the table, you'd have a floor core, you'd have all these, all these things, and we're seeing all that simplified. And now with our box, one thing, you can do multiple things with it, so you can share content, it becomes interactive, now which I, I think you guys have seen the laser and all those other things. It becomes one HDMI port that can essentially do everything you need in a meeting. You know, what you're trying to do is share and communicate. Um, you know, the word collaboration, I think, is overused because if I asked you what collaboration means and I ask you what it means, and I tell you my definition of collaboration, they're all going to be three different things. Um, but we're just trying to share ideas but not have that technology get in the way where, okay, I'm done with my presentation and I hand you the cable or I hand you the device and you've got to plug it in and start it. Oh, and my connector is different from this. Right, and- so that now immediately has created little speed bumps I've got to get over. And sometimes they can be catastrophic. Some companies don't let you use the USB adapters or some people might not have the new USB-C adapter in their room and they become barriers. Um, and, but I also, you know, the technology, 
the, the curve is starting to move towards wireless because the, the functionality is better, the performance is better. You know, in the old days, we say everyone, every engineer ever knew was like, put a cable in there no matter what, because I want to make sure it works, right? That was the conservative well, I think, model. I think uh, two of the biggest contributing factors that kind of happened unrelated to our industry is um, the software provided on laptops have gotten better. Yep. They've gotten more intuitive and more um, collaboration friendly. Uh, maybe that's a good way to put it. And then battery life of those devices is superior than it was even five years ago. Well, I can work nearly an entire day off of a single charge with my monitor at full brightness. I don't ever have to plug in the power. So I'm not like when I get up and leave my desk to go to a meeting within the building or occasionally even outside the building, I don't worry about whether or not I've got a power adapter. So I'm not worried about whether or not I've got video adapters or any of that other any of that other nonsense. So it's almost pushed us in the direction of, I just want to walk into a room, sit down, open my iPad, open my you know MacBook or my Windows-based PC, and just type in numbers on the screen and share my presentation. And I think another factor is, in the old days, as AV became more digitized or digital, the word network was a dirty word. Um, NetSec teams, I don't want that traffic on my network, even if you got into VTC, um, the room of doom or the NetSec team would be like, don't put that on my network. Um, since we're network friendly and we we do we you know we're we can pass the NetSec teams. I mean we we're in the 13 different intelligence agencies. I can't tell you we are because we wouldn't walk out of this room. But <laughs> um, we can work with those network teams and we can make them feel comfortable what we're doing. So because now you know in the old days or still today we might build an autonomous small AV network in the room for control systems and everything else. But for us, since we're a network-attached device where you come in and your laptop, you don't have to switch SSID, say. you don't have to change any of those other things, um, you can just connect. And, and the IT side of that, the cost of networks and speed of networks have helped us pro, you know, propagate relatively quickly. And we just launched, and I don't know if you guys know this or not, but now besides two different networks we can talk to securely, we just launched the additional software that will do additional three VLANs. Mm -hmm. So if a company has, a, you know, their internal wireless network, which is the, the single signer sign-on. Then they've got an internal BYOD where you can bring your cell phones and connect to the network but get to certain areas but not all the other securities. And then you might have a guest network. We can now handle five additional networks out of one box. So those are the kind of things we're kind of... That's, that, a, that's a massive feat, uh, honestly, because we have so many customers. They could be an 80,000-employee co company that's in the medical industry that has, like you mentioned, a guest network because they need to serve to to their patients and to the guests of those patients. But also, they don't want to force John Chandler when he walks into a room to disassociate with the network that he's already on just to be able to present content. Well, that goes back to our CTO Chris's model. We don't want to talk about the technology. We want you to have a meeting. So if you start talking about, like, here's the SSID to connect for this meeting, or here's this device, or here's this, um, We've already started to have a problem. I think what's important that he mentioned is they're selling the product as a network attached device. They're, you know, it's an AV product, but that's not how it's being marketed. I, I, I think their CTO made a, uh, a critical decision to market it a little bit different because if you are putting it in front of, in front of IT folks' faces first, and making them comfortable with the product as a network attached device rather than, hey, here's this coffee mug and we added an RJ45 port 
put it on your network. That's that's not that's not the approach that um, AV prof or uh, IT professionals appreciate. They want to know that you designed a network product that's intended to go on the network, and you have a full understanding of how it's intended to work on a network all the time. Whereas a large majority of the other products we sell outside of maybe video conferencing products, um, it's like, hey, we made this control system, and oh, by the way, now it has a network port. You know, it, it, some of it's not a little next on the back, but I think like we just had a meeting with one of your customers, with Chevis, and in that meeting there were seven, six stakeholders within the organization, network, marketing, facilities. So we were able to, to present to all these people about because our box is a digital signage player, it does analytics to tell you how many people had a meeting in a room and all those other things. Um, it runs on the network. So all these people have, we need them to have buy-in because if they're, if somebody's there's marketing and they're going to use it for digital signage, we need to talk about how that's going to work. Facilities, they might want to know how, what their room usage is and what's the utilization. Do we restack or do we re, you know, do something else to this room because we're not having any meetings in it? The network team, they're going to want to know about it. So we're not, in the old days, you would kind of go design a room and install it, and there, oh, there might be an RJ45 on the back, but we don't want to talk about that because that's going to be a red flag. We try to go out and give those guys a hug because ultimately we need their help. Yes. And if we come in and do full disclosure up front, that eliminates all those barriers down the line. So, but that's, Chevis did it right because she got all the stakeholders in the room. We had that discussion. But sometimes even the people within the organizations on the AV side, the people we deal with, right, in, in the IT, they might not want to bring in the IT team sometimes. Well, they've had so many bad experiences. So we're like, no, bring them in. Um, and we'll, we'll send them a pod and say, try to break it. Try to root it. Try to do anything with it. Um, and they, they can't. And that's the, the other best thing about my job is back to the hand grenade analogy I gave you guys. I can give it to any security team and it'll pass. And that is, is a salesperson. That's a beautiful thing. Oh, yeah. When I, I don't have to go. I hope it come, like come on baby like <laughs> it's like you know like, come on and you throw it in, and it's like it you just never know but with us I I have the confidence what we're doing um that it's going to do what we say it's going to do well, and I the product set itself um the the hardware piece is in its third generation and yep. the software piece is in its fourth generation is that accurate yeah, we're on 4.2 now which is the VLAN tagging um 4.3 is a couple of weeks away and we're continuing I mean there's so many cool things on the roadmap, um, VTC being one of them, pass through the ability to touch the screen and send that command, proximity, where you walk on the room or auto-connect. Um, you know, and, but those are all being led by our customers. I mean, that's yeah. the best thing. Customers say, like, here's what we're looking to do for our users, and we take all that information. So, like, you, there's an email address within our organization called, and don't spam this, by the way, <laughs> uh, feature request at Mercive.com. And that doesn't go to, like, the guy who's the product manager. It goes to all of us. And we start having a conversation about what this customer wanted or what are they trying to do. Does that fit into our roadmap? Because that's pretty genius. Because if they're really having, because you see this every day, we go meet with customers, and I, you know the, the number one thing is like we're trying to standardize. That's the number one thing they always say, right? So we're always for scale and user. But they're always like, we have this one problem, you know, which is uh, whatever it is. But I guarantee you, not only is that company going to have it, but thirty-five other customers are going to have the exact same issue. It might not just tell us about it. So we can solve that problem. Kind of like the, the ability to have the calendar in the room. Yeah. Everyone falls over themselves and is like, how did you do that? Why do you, we love that. Um, but 
you know, we, we can't take credit for it. A customer said, this is something we think has value, and we followed their lead, and it just falls in our I'm pocket. sure they're getting paid royalties for that idea, <laughs> uh, right? Yes. I think they are. I don't know who the customer was, actually. It was pretty <laughs> before my time. So It's an all-anonymous. Yeah, uh, they're not allowed they, to. They get their three cents with everybody. <laughs> but once again, it's... I'm sure you're helping them with demo product. Um, I hope we are, but I, I can't speak to that. Back to like the intelligence. So, John, tell us, is there something else? uh, I think you kind of mentioned some of these things coming down the pipeline with Mersive and the Solstice Pod. Is there anything else you want our viewers to to, to hear or to see? Um, I think, you know, um, the best, you know, the the number one thing is it solves one problem, which is if I want to replace that HDMI cable to share wirelessly. But I think the struggle sometimes we have is making sure they understand all the other things we do. So we're trying to overcome that. So we have a white glove service, which is included. And you guys might know about it or something. Because I know I've talked to Chavis and other people in the organization. And Jonathan as well. Where when you guys deploy our product um, at 90% completion, when your techs are at 90% completion, which I wish we would have done at this project we were talking about a second ago, my engineer will come on site and work through the network and configurations and all those things and help you guys. No charge. When the rooms are turned over, we will show up on site as well and train the users, which means it looks like this. Let's say there were 15 conference rooms that had immersive zones. We might show up on site for two days with donuts. We'll ask the organization to send an email out to their staff saying for the next two days, the immersive guys will be in conference room A, B, or C. We ask them to come bring their device. Don't come to a training room. Don't do all this stuff. Come sit next to us. Bring your personal laptop that has all your stuff on it, and we're going to show you how to have a meeting. Yeah. And then when we're done showing them how to have a meeting, we'll send them off to another conference room and go try it. If they get it, go have a great day. If they don't have a problem, come back and see us. We're going to take the angst out of the change, which everyone's very fearful. Like most people are afraid to even touch a touch panel, right? Yeah. Like this would terrify 90% <laughs> of the users. Like, oh, my goodness, what do I do? My background is in programming. Right. Uh, Crestron and, and alike. And – one of the first or two things I would say as part of my little training spiel at the end of end of a, an integration, touch it. You can't break it. And if you break it, hit the little info thing, send us a message, email us, call us, whatever, and we'll come fix it if for some reason you broke it. But you're not going to put this thing in a state that I can't tell you how to fix over the phone. Right. It's, I, if something happens, it's a hardware failure, it's a software failure, but... Please mash the buttons. You're good. If you can work your cell phone, you've got the touch panel down. No problem. Yeah, but I think the underlying problem in all that is change. Yeah. Who moved my cheese? So we, when we start talking about IT organization, about a restack or rooms, or even this is applicable to one room, um, we want them, because we're the front of the room, you know, when they walk in the room, we're used to the thing they see. We, we want to take that angst away, and we will invest in it. Um, it doesn't affect anything you guys do. It hopefully complements it, but there's no fee. There's no any of that stuff. Um, that's just another kind of bolt on that we have. It's called the you know the, the success, customer success team. I think it's it's a a win all the way around by the, the way, board. We're trademarking that by the way. <laughs> it's a win all the way around the board when when we meet with customers. We want to make sure that they're going to make an investment, right? And they want to. We want to ensure that. They feel comfortable using it, yep. and you set them up for success. Because if you don't set them up for success, then things aren't going to work out in the long run for you or for me. So I think that's a fantastic piece from from Mercer that they're providing. 
Right. And, you know, and it's that's all driven for, from leadership. I mean, they're like, if they're going to invest in us, we're going to invest back in them, and we're going to create a team. So if they've got multi, you know, buildings or you know, hundred pods, we send a team down, um, just to make it work. Because once again, if, if it doesn't work, why buy it? Yep. That's great. So um, I think that's just about all the time we have for today, John. We can't thank you enough, man. We had a blast. I want a bobblehead. <laughs> We'll I'll, bring, bobblehead. I'll bring you I'll a bobblehead. I'll bring you a bobblehead. Yeah, so we're going to reconvene. Viewers, you'll get the opportunity to see the immersive tourist challenge in lasagna. Using the same recipe, we'll, have our, we'll have our ownership here at Taurus do a judge um, <laughs> for all of you. Do I get to bring my own judges too, since everyone here is going to be wearing a, a bull you have ring? To bring, you have to bring, bring ownership or sea level. That's, I mean, that's going to... All right. <laughs> I mean, it's a blind taste test. It's not like I can rig it by... Telling people where it's Look at. at. This face. Silence. Do I believe you? <laughs> Mine's the one that's really spicy with do the I, cayenne pepper. Do I? I'm gonna make it exactly like the the recipe. Right. Uh, I, I know you know what? I, here's the thing: is, is you said earlier, er, I win no matter what. Because if you can make it and you beat me, th then back to kind of where you came from, it means <laughs> I'm a good teacher. <laughs> Either that or a really good author. All right. One one last question. Uh, where can our viewers go to learn more about Mercy? Um, it's real simple. Just Mercive.com, M-E-R-S-I-V-E.com, or call one of your tourist reps, and we'll come out and do a demo. Um, we will come out, logo a demo uh, pod up, do a demo for them, and leave it behind and let them test drive it for as long as they want. Excellent. Awesome. Excellent. We also have spaces here at our headquarters and at our, our, excuse me, our Lubbock office for you to come by, take a look at the product or any other products that we have in an integrated environment. Um, if you have anything else that you'd like to add, you have any questions about Mersive or Taurus, please contact us at info at We appreciate your time. Thank you again, John. Been great, man. Y'all awesome. have a great day. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks, Sean.